0: Welcome to this podcast for the September 2021 edition of the Journal of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition. My name is Dr. Kelly Tappenden, Professor and Head of Kinesiology and Nutrition at the University of Illinois at Chicago and Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition. I'm pleased today to welcome Dr. Isabel Correa, who is Professor of the Department of Surgery, Federal University of Minas Gerais, and from Bela Horizonte in Brazil. We're going to discuss her paper entitled Nutrition Therapy Cost-Effectiveness Model, indicating how nutrition may contribute to the efficiency and financial sustainability of healthcare systems. Welcome, Dr. Correa. Thank you so much. I was really pleased uh, and intrigued to see this paper because you've been part of the conversation over the last decade plus about the prominence of malnutrition in the developed world, in patients who are in the hospital, who are living with chronic diseases, really anyone who is inflamed is going to be at risk for this. And it's something that we know negatively impacts individuals. And so, of course, they have increased lengths of stay, increased complications, increased mortality, increased costs. However, we, despite all of the talking and writing that we've done on this, it continues to be underdiagnosed. Less than 10% in recent reports are officially diagnosed, despite the fact that we know the prevalence is one-third to 50%. I thought your paper, really looking at the financial aspect of this was important because, you know, we can certainly talk about nutrition and the importance of interventions. But for those who are non-nutrition professionals, they sometimes don't hear us. But I think when you put it into dollars and cents, that might get their attention a little easier. So tell us about your work.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. I totally agree with you. This has been a huge problem. Throughout the years, it's nothing new, but unfortunately, as you have just mentioned, uh, despite its high prevalence, malnutrition is still commonly unrecognized by most physicians. I would even dare say that malnutrition is the most prevalent disease in the hospital setting because according to epidemiologists, if you have a prevalence over 10%, Uh, that is highly prevalent. And very few uh, disease conditions are so much prevalent as malnutrition. And of course, malnutrition affects all different kinds of patients with all different kinds of disease. And we all know, and this has been shown for years, it's nothing new also, that is a problem that interferes with uh, the outcomes, lengths of stay, everything you have said. So the question is, Why do we still have this problem? Well, I think malnutrition won't be over because it's directly associated with a disease state. What we cannot see and what we cannot perpetuate is the absence of treatment. And so this is something that also is very common. This is to say, well, there is a high prevalence of malnutrition, but unfortunately, these patients are not treated. This is something that we have to reverse. Because malnutrition, the the rates of malnutrition will eventually come down a little bit, but the nutritional state is directly associated with different disease conditions. Now, why hasn't this changed over the years with so many people talking about this, with so many studies showing the association between malnutrition and negative outcomes, I think one of the reasons is because doctors are not trained to identify the condition, similarly to what happened many years ago, many years ago regarding infectious diseases, uh, when most doctors treated infectious diseases. And nowadays, well, doctors do treat infectious diseases, but they always refer or get opinions from experts. I think somehow the nutrition status of the patients, because doctors are not trained, eventually uh, they will have to require the opinion and the support of experts. And this is to say, not only of doctors, but also dieticians and the whole role of the interdisciplinary work. And for the administrators who sometimes say that nutrition costs, because it does cost, it's, something else, but it's a lot less expensive than most of the antibiotics that are used in the hospital. So maybe, maybe by showing that not only does the problem exist, but also it costs more, we might touch, and I say the heart of those who do not see the nutritional status of the patients as an important aspect to be treated, not only in the hospital, but also when the patients go home. Uh, the treatment does not finish in the hospital. And that's exactly what we try to show in this study. Of course, it is very difficult on clinical grounds to show that by intervening earlier, this will cost less. And that's why most studies are carried out based on economical models such as the one we used and based on data we have from observational studies. And this is exactly what we did. I mean, we know what the prevalence is. We know what happens when patients are not treated. And we know that if we intervene earlier, most likely we will be able to reverse the situation and improve the patient's overall condition. And by doing so, uh, we will impact not only outcomes, but also the cost. So cost effectiveness is exactly how one treatment can impact on the economical outcome of a health intervention. So it's exactly an economic evaluation and it compares costs and effects of alternative health interventions. And I wouldn't call nutrition an alternative, but a mandatory. But for those who do not know and think of it as like support, not as most of us who do therapy, cost-effectiveness will probably help open up their minds.
0: Sure. So just to recap for our listener, you took historical data from patients who were at risk or malnourished. You then looked and, and looked at their cost of care, making sure that they had the nutrition support that they needed. But then you looked at the impact of one group having an oral nutrition supplementation on top of that enteral and parenteral nutrition and looked at the outcomes, the cost of the outcomes then associated with that. Yeah, well,
1: we plotted what actually we did. We plotted in the public health system, I mean, we Patients from the public health system, knowing the the prevalence rates of malnutrition and considering those at risk also based on national data, if they were offered early oral supplementation compared to what we called late and very late supplementation, and compared based on data from other studies, uh, the outcomes of these patients and see... That, of course, by intervening earlier, this costed more. But if we are able to prevent complications by treating early, then less complications, less lengths of hospital stay will, at the end, represent economical savings. Many people think of cost effectiveness as only money. And in fact, that's what we did in this study. But it's also important to highlight that uh, cost-effectiveness goes beyond uh, money-wise considerations. It's also the benefits that brings to the patient, such as being able to be discharged home earlier or avoiding uh, hospital readmissions. So that's basically what we did. We plotted based on real data and on three conditions. Early interventional, let's call it middle-time intervention, and late interventions, based on what most practical,
0: hands-on, everyday life is seen in the hospitals. Okay. Um, And you looked at it from a bunch of different perspectives. So what is the cost-effectiveness? Tell us the efficiency and financial issues in providing nutrition therapy. Of course. So, as stated, if
1: we intervene early, this will increase the immediate cost. But because we prevent potential new admissions, we avoid readmissions, and we prevent death, although if a patient dies early, that won't cost all that much directly to the hospital system, but it costs to the society, then the overall savings is. Important. So let's say if we have an incremental cost of about thirty-eight million dollars, our effectiveness will lead us to a cost-effective per patient of ninety-two
0: dollars. Okay. So I interpret that is if you are to provide this nutrition therapy, it will save ninety-two dollars per patient per hospital stay. Hmm. Okay, and then that would also vary based on the acuity, um, like the the population disease that you're looking at, um, whether it was started early or late to your earlier points? Yeah,
1: well, in this study, we really weren't able to separate according to the disease because again, this is a financial model. So we took in consideration as if every patient was the same, which we know it is not, He is not, or she's not. It would be interesting to compare patients according to disease, but that's something we did not do because we worked with data from the public health system and we do not have that discrimination according to the disease with all the details, so that we could plot that.
0: Sure. so that that's a hypothesis for another day. In the u s, billing works such that we have the primary diagnosis. And then if malnutrition is properly diagnosed, it is considered a complicating condition on that diagnosis, and additional funds then are available. Is that how it works in Brazil? And I guess, More importantly, why is malnutrition being diagnosed so little? Like, of course, the benefit to the patient we want, but money is being left on the table by people not diagnosing it. Why is this happening? Well, uh, I'm going to go back in
1: time when we carried out the first uh, malnutrition problem study. We published that in 2001. At that time although there were different studies, smaller studies showing the prevalence of the disease, we did not have a big uh, national prevalence study. And why did we do it at that time? Because at that time, nutritional therapy was not paid by the government at all. So when we first did, the state it was exactly to show to the system that we had a problem and that that problem was not being treated and that meant money. And that was shown by the second study. And this was a clinical study showing that those patients who were malnourished uh, had more complications, stayed in the hospital much more time, used more antibiotics and died. And that was increased in this group. And of course, also lengths of hospital stay. After that study, we were able to literally lobby in the government, in the health department, Uh, have the people from the health department be with us, have meetings with us, and so that we show them the problem. After that, parental nutrition and enteral nutrition started being covered because until then, it was not. This is to say that if a patient in a public hospital required parental or enteral nutrition, either he or she would not receive it or the hospital would pay for that or would require the family to pay for that so after 2000 2001 that became a, a rule and the the public system started paying covering that treatment that's a
0: big accomplishment
1: yes but till nowadays oral supplementation is not covered okay And that's the whole purpose of this study is to show that if you start early, you might even prevent the need of a more uh, sophisticated treatment such as enteral or even parenteral nutrition. I mean, we didn't show that. It was not our goal. We could not do it. But we know from clinical practice, for all of those who uh, work in clinical practice, we know that if we intervene early, we certainly uh, avoid the deterioration of the nutritional status. And that's what we wanted to uh, highlight is to show that because supplements are not covered, maybe uh, we are ending up spending more money and at the same, spending more money on other nutritional uh, treatments, such as enteral and parenteral. And at the same time, intervening early, we might in fact save money. And the model, that's what the model showed.
0: Yeah, that's very good. So now I understand completely why you set up your your analysis the way you did. Are you going to be taking this to the Brazilian policymakers and, um, you know, suggesting that oral nutrition supplements should be covered now? It has been taken. Oh, good. the The Brazilian
1: society has had several meetings. Unfortunately, And I say, unfortunately, because last week we heard officially from them. They decided that it was not a priority right now. But unfortunately, we, due to the pandemic, due to some political, huge political issues, the country is somehow on a standby mode. So unfortunately, the first decision on this proposal, because we call it a proposal in terms of we were showing that, well, listen, we still have a problem. And if you decide to change the policy, we might be saving money and improving a bunch of other things. So the first answer was negative, but uh, it's on the list of the Brazilian society to keep on fighting and even the possibility of carrying out a clinical study. because again, as I said, this is a model. This is an economical model. Uh, many people still challenge economical model, although these models have been used in different areas of the healthcare business uh, for quite some years by now. But it's something unknown by many especially for those not really working with clinical aspects and of course with economical models.
0: Okay. Very good. Well, uh, the fight to uh, get malnutrition recognized and treated continues, but thank you so much for, you know, for the huge impact that you've had on this area of study and important impact on clinical care.
1: Yeah. Well, I usually tease my students and I say, listen, Although I'm not Brazilian, I've somehow left my name in the history of this country because one of the publications regarding the necessity and mandatory requirement of having nutritional therapy teams in hospitals doing nutritional therapy starts with the Ibra Nutri study. So that's why I teased them and I said, well, even though I'm not Brazilian, I have registered my name in the Brazilian history. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good for you. Thank you so much. For our listeners, please do go and read Dr. Correa and her colleagues' paper in the September 2021 issue of JPN, entitled Nutrition Therapy Cost-Effectiveness Model, indicating how nutrition may contribute to the efficiency and financial sustainability of health systems. Thank you, Dr. Correa. Thank you very much for
1: the opportunity to discuss this topic, which, of course, I really like because it has been my fight against the malnutrition
0: burden. Yes, well, and we appreciate that. Thanks again.